ladies. You need a Bible, raise your hand, and these guys will be glad to give you one. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to the book of Psalms. We'll uh, explain all that in a few moments. Just find Psalms and hang out there for a minute or two. A couple things I want to mention to you, and then we will get started. Number one, on the 16th of the month, which is, I do my math correctly, two weeks from when? Today, that's Sunday night, we're going to have a, a family night here in Arlington, and Peter and, and others, you see up here on the stage, will be leading us in Christmas music, we're going to have one of our jumpy things out here for the kids, and for Andy Domino, um, some other things going on, games for them, and as well, we're going to have a reception afterwards, our new staff member and his wife, kids will be here, Russ Bingham and Amy, and I'd like as many of you as possible to be here that night, the 16th at 6 o'clock, not only for our family Christmas time, but to meet Russ and, and uh, Amy and their kids, and welcome them to, actually they're coming home, they're from Memphis, and Russ got saved during our ministry years ago, and so we're excited that he's coming to work for us here. He will specifically be assigned to Arlington to do whatever I don't want to do, which is everything, so I'm very lazy. But um, I talked to him last week, he and Amy both, and they were here, spent some time together, and I talked to him on the phone again this week, so they're really excited about coming home and serving here, leaving the degradation Chattanooga. Beautiful city, but Jesus here, so... Anyway, that's Sunday night, the 16th, so if you, yeah, I hope you can be here and mark that down. Also, we're going to need um, some food and some other things for that night for the reception. So, my lovely wife, Mary, everybody turn around and say, hi, Mary. She's now thoroughly embarrassed. It's one of my spiritual gifts. She'll be at the Welcome Center when we get through today and probably next week. And if you'd like to sign up to help that night, particularly, can tell you what she She will be there today. All right, make sure I got that right so I can go home today. All right, now... The most important announcement, it's how you know Jesus is alive, is Christmas City's open. Those of you who aren't excited about that, haven't met Jesus yet, but you will. On the 14th, that Friday night, Reverend Curlin in the back room, back room in the back of the room, sometimes he's in the back room, but he's going to drive us in our nice yellow school bus out to their nice yellow school bus, a hollowed out school bus with the AstroTurf floor and the kerosene heater to see Santa Claus and ride the tram and suck in diesel fumes. It's exciting and see the amazing plethora, I made that word up, of lights on the 14th. We're going to leave here about six o'clock. So when you go see my wife, you can, if you think you want to go to Christmas City, just kind of let her know so we can get a count, make sure one bus is enough. We may need seven or eight. All right. How many of you ever been to Christmas City? How many of you liked it? Look at the hands go up. Mention that to Peter Simon, so he'll give his heart to you. All right, are you into Christmas yet? Mary and I found out we were into Christmas this week because we went to Toys R Us. That's where you go to worship the Lord at Christmas. Especially on, was it Friday we went? Friday at 3 o'clock when the doorbusters take place. By the way, you can find that over in Matthew chapter 2, the doorbuster sale for Christmas. So we're at Toys R Us at 3 o'clock when the doorbusters take place because apparently with the, door, the way the doorbusters work is that people stand outside and bust the doors down. I don't really know exactly how this works, but we were inside and then... At 3, apparently, everyone decides you go get in line at 3. Because if we were by like 10 to 3, there was nobody in line. And I said, why don't we check out? No, no, you have to wait till 3 because then you get to stand in line for an hour before you check out. And you get to listen to people like the lady behind us just uh, going crazy because they wouldn't let her use her coupon. And I'm thinking, this, is this the spirit of Christmas? What? So that, then you know you're into the Christmas season. I read a story this week about a lady that was uh, getting on an elevator and, and she'd been at a big mall and she was in an elevator and the door, she wanted to get on the elevator and the door opened. She's got packages in every arm, a couple you know, around her neck and she's got all the stuff. She's, she's shopping, she's excited and she wants to get on the elevator 
and, the, and it opens and it's packed. The elevator's packed. Well, they, they make room for her. She gets on there with all her package. Somehow she ends, you know, she's in the front of the elevator and everybody's backing up. So they, can, they can close it and go back down. Everybody can leave. And she's complaining and saying, I'll tell you what, whoever came up with this whole Christmas idea needs to be taken out back and shot. Some guy, some guy in the back of the elevator said, I don't worry about it. They're already crucified him. Nothing like the Christmas season. We went to the parade last night, which was fun, exciting. Took two of my granddaughters to the parade, and every float that comes by, they throw candy at you, projectiles, and you have to be careful dodging it. And this is how you know it's Christmas. So I've got two granddaughters, and they're as sweet as they can. Well, one of them's as sweet as she can be, and the other one is my granddaughter. So they're throwing candy, and they were, really, they, they were not having a good time, and then suddenly people started throwing candy, and things picked up. They were excited. So Ella's picking up the candy, saying, thank you, I really appreciate it. Emerson's picking up and going, I don't like this, <laughs> and throwing it back. So I, that's when you know it's Christmas. All right, turn, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Psalms. We're going to start in Psalm 33. So if you will turn there. What I'm going to do this year, something that I have, um, I've done it in classes, but I've never done it in this setting at Christmas. It's something I really enjoy doing, and I just decided this year, thinking about it and praying about it, that it was something I wanted to do. So over the next four weeks, starting today, we're going to take a different Christmas song each week and kind of look at it. So the day is going to be Joy to the World. Obviously, we did it right at the offertory time, right before we went into the message. And I want to share with you kind of a, a song for us as believers as we realize where we are in our world and we think about Christmas, our Christmas song in our hearts, kind of what I'm calling this uh, series, this next four weeks, our Christmas song. And we're going to look at Joy to the World today. And really interesting, the background behind some of these songs. And this one is a focus of a new song and a new song of joy. It was written in 1719 by a guy named Isaac Watts. And what was interesting is that in, it was a young kid in 1690, 1690, right before Dick Hunter was born, 1690. Just kidding, brother. All right. In 1690, there's this kid, and, he t- and, and, and going, he's going to church all the time, and he turned to his dad. This is what young boys or young girls might do. Really interesting that this took place in 1690. Wrap your mind around that. And he turned to his dad one day at church and said, Dad, I really don't like the music at church. Funny that that was in 1690, and here we are in whatever we're in, 2012, and time to time, music becomes a concern in church because one generation likes their kind of music, and then my generation, those of us who really know Jesus, we like doo-wop. So next uh, the series in January will be Why the Penguins and Earth Angel Came from God, songs like that, and the Five Satins, and uh, anyway, all right. And most of you don't even know who those people are. That's great. We'll talk about Elvis Presley. I discovered this week my grandchildren don't know who Elvis Presley is. We will remedy that as we visit Graceland over the next couple of weeks. So singing Blue Christmas. And I'll show them the video of when I dressed up and was Elvis. All right. Anyway, in 1690, this boy's at church. He turns to his dad and says, Dad, I really don't like the music here. It's boring. It's behind the times. It's not hip. I'm sure he used the word hip in 1690. And his dad turned to him and said to this young adolescent boy, he said, well, if you don't like it, why don't you write some new songs for us to sing? And the young boy went home and he wrote a song called When I Survey the Wonders Cross, one of the greatest hymns ever written. He also wrote Joy to the World, and his name is Isaac Watts. He wrote Joy to the World in 1719. He was an English guy and he wrote many hymns, obviously, When I Survey the Wonders Cross was uh, an incredible hymn. 
And his goal when he wrote, particularly Joy to the World, is that he wanted to take scripture, and there's still guys today that do this, and there's some artists today that have done a great job with some of this, but taking scripture and put it to music so that you could sing it back to the Lord, even if you don't have the capacity to sing well like moi and others, you could still sing it in your heart, you could make a new song, you could make a joyous song, or you, in, in a corporate group you can sing and nobody knows unless they're next to you. But in your heart, you can sing. And by the way, one of the best ways to memorize anything is to put it to music. Think about it. Uh, when you hear a song, even from your childhood, like I'm listening to Christmas songs, I'm driving around in my car or in my office, and you can hear like one note, and you know immediately every word of that song, and you're singing it. And I noticed we built these two new little cubicle offices over here for me and, and Lisa Locke, and ceilings don't go, walls don't go all the way to the ceiling. So everything that's said in the cubicle can be heard by everyone else that might be in the lobby or the other cubicle. So as I'm in there singing Blue Christmas, they're really having a Blue Christmas because they're having to listen to that. So Isaac Watts' goal when he wrote Joy to the World was to put scripture to music. It is the most published Christian hymn Christmas, excuse me, Christmas hymn in North America. Joy to the world. Everybody knows it and know the words, and we sang it. We're going to look at that again in a moment. But I want you to notice, as we look at this, it was inspired by Psalm 98. We're going to get to Psalm 98 in a moment. We're going to walk through it. It was inspired by Psalm 98. The message of Psalm 98 is about salvation and judgment. It was not written to be a Christmas song per se, but obviously it's probably the most well-known of Christmas songs. It's fascinating. He wrote it, as we'll see in a moment, to glorify our God who's, who's portrayed for us in Psalm 98. The focus of Psalm 98 is the second coming of Jesus Christ. So what we celebrate at Christmas is what? His first coming. So the picture here, and, the, and that's really, I want us to see the big picture as we look at these songs over the next four weeks. What I want you to see with joy to the world is that the first advent, when Jesus came in the manger to go to the cross, the first advent brought us salvation. The second advent will bring final salvation and judgment to everyone. He is coming again, as you haven't picked up on that. He is coming back. He came he died, he rose again, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he is coming back. And the message of joy to the world is that we understand the world, heaven, the angels, nature, creation itself knows there's a time coming when Jesus is going to redeem even creation. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, even the creation itself, Romans talks about, groans looking forward to the return and the final redemption of the Savior. So as we look at Psalm 98, the idea is, is that this is a new song. That's the focus of the psalm that we sing as Christians. It's a new song. Next week, we're going to look at what's called Mary's Magnificat, and many theologians think she possibly was meditating on Psalm 98 when she sang that song or spoke those words as she's with her cousin Elizabeth, and it's really one of the most beautiful moments in history. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to Psalm 33. We're going to start there. The theme of Psalm 98 is make a joyful noise as you sing a new song in praise of whom your God is. If you're born again, you have a new song in your heart. Revelation says when we get to heaven, we'll be singing a new song, one that's never heard before because of who we are as the bride of Christ. Once you turn to Psalm 33, we're going to, look, we're going to quickly flip through several verses, so get ready. Go like this. Ooh, that hurt. If you have arthritis, you won't do that. All right, get ready. Psalm 33, verse 3. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Sing a new song. Shout with joy. Psalm 40. Psalm 40, verse 3. 
David writes, 40 verse 3, He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. A new song in my mouth, I will speak it, I will sing it, I will praise my God. Psalm 96 verse 1, 96 verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord, all the earth, all the earth, sing to our God. Psalm 144 verse 9. 144, verse 9. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you. Psalm 149. By the way, just a little side note. A harp of ten strings sounds like a musical instrument. That'd be interesting. God can be glorified. You hear it every week with these guys that are on stage with talent God has given them that they use for the Lord. Psalm 149, verse 1. 149, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of saints. As the believers, that's all saints are, as the believers come together in assembly, we sing a new song. What I want now go to Psalm 98, and I want us to walk through this, realizing and remembering that Psalm 98 was written by Isaac Watts. Excuse me, joy to the Psalm 98 was not written by Isaac Watts. He's old, but he ain't that old. Psalm 98, joy to the world was written by Isaac Watts. As he meditated on Psalm 98, joy to the world, we're going to go through that in a moment as well. So Psalm 98 is a new song about our king. And the first thing I want you to notice is we're going to celebrate our king. First thing we're doing in verses 1 through 3 is celebrating our king's righteousness. Psalm 98, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. You celebrate the king's righteousness. Notice verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. He has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. Notice, right hand, holy arm. Right hand is pictured in the Bible, the power, the justice, the judgment of God. Our Savior, our God has done incredible things. He's holy. He's set apart. He is the omnipotent one of the universe. He's gained what in verse 1? He's gained the victory. Look at verse 2. He's made known his salvation, his righteousness he's revealed in the sight of the nations. Victory, salvation, righteousness. I really want you to notice something in verse 2. It's very important. He's made it known in sight of whom? The nations. The nations means Gentiles. If you look around the room, most of us are what? Are you Jewish? You're what? You're a Gentile. Aren't you glad God made his salvation known to the Gentiles? I know I am. He made it known through the nation of Israel, as we'll see in a moment. But he made it known. He made it clear. He was the one who brought light to the Gentiles. He was the one that brought salvation, victory, righteousness. He made it possible that I might be saved. He made it possible that you might. If you study the book of Acts, it's fascinating. In the first seven chapters, the early church is cloistered at Jerusalem, and they're not going anywhere. It's pretty much all Jewish. But Jesus had said to them in the Great Commission, what did Jesus tell them I want you to do? I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of whom? The nation. Who is that? The Gentiles. Make learner followers. These people were Jewish. They had, been, they had grown up and their mindset about Gentiles was what? We don't want anything to do with them. They're less than us. We're better than they are. We're the chosen ones. God said, my church, Paul writes later, 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The church is Jewish, Gentile. There's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, Gentile, male nor female. We're one in Christ. It's being celebrated in Psalm 98 that our God has brought righteousness. Our God has brought salvation. He's brought victory to the Gentiles through the person of Jesus Christ who brings salvation. His righteousness is so important. At Christmas, as we celebrate who Jesus Christ is, we remember his righteousness. Why is that so important? His righteousness is perfect. He lived a sinless life. For a moment, I want you to reflect on that. To live an entire life, never commit one sin. He was God, but he was also a man. The Bible says he was tempted in every way that we are. Think about that. But he never sinned. His righteousness when he went to the cross was perfect because he did what the Father wanted him to do and he humbled himself. Philippians says it became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, we could be saved because his sacrifice satisfied God's demand for righteousness. That's what you celebrate at Christmas. That's what joy to the world is about. We have peace on earth. We could be at peace with God because Jesus came. He died. He came to die. His first advent led to the cross. His second advent will lead to the eternal state for all of us where we will celebrate with him forever. And we'll sing a new song. Verse three, he has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Mercy, faithfulness to Israel and to all the earth. He had just mentioned the Gentiles, the nation. Now he mentions Israel. And he also, by the way, just throws in all the earth. In other words, who did Jesus come for? Not just Jews, Jews and Gentiles, all the earth. He died and took the sins of mankind upon his back. You see, there's an old song in our lives as human beings, and then there's a new song in Jesus Christ. And as you meditate on this psalm, there's a lot of things that come to mind, and I just jotted down a few. The old song without Jesus Christ versus the new song with him. The old song is one of defeat. The new song is one of victory. The old song is a one of whining, grumbling, plaining. The new song is one of gratitude, thankful. The old song is one of pride. It's about me. The new song is one of dependent faith, trust in the one true God who could change a person's life. The old song is about being lonely and afraid. The new song is about love, security, and know you matter to the God of the universe who made you. Knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He knew every moment of life, and he loved you anyway. Victory. The old song is about disappointment, fear. The new one's about hope, security. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that I've committed unto him against that day. My hope is secure in Jesus Christ. The old song is about being ignorant, being in the dark. And the new song is about being enlightened, being in the light. Peter put it this way. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. One of my favorite metaphors to understand salvation is because I'm claustrophobic. I remember one time we were on a youth trip, and we were in a cave, and we were going to go spelunking. I'd never been spelunking. I didn't know it was claustrophobic. So they had us crawl through that first hole, and I went, dear God, I'm going back. Being in that dark where you can't see your, they turn off the lights, you can't see your hand, terrified me. I had to crawl out. I had to have an MRI last year. They put that thing right here. You know, they give you that thing. If you need help, push this button. I broke it eight times. To take me, and I managed to get through it, but they'd have to put me in and take me out. I, the poor girl I gave, I felt so sorry for her. I said, well, I'm so sorry. I just, when that thing was right here, I couldn't take it. But see, when you're in the dark, 
That's being lost. That's the old song. But boy, when Jesus turns on the light, you could see. You could find your way around. You could find your way out. You could see where you want to go. You're set free. Finally, the old song is being bondage, and the new song is being free. New song in Christ. Secondly, verse 4 through 6, we're going to celebrate the king's reign. Verse 4, Psalm 98. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the king. We celebrate his reign. Three things you see there. Shouting in verse 4. Singing in verse 5. I can do the shouting part. But also in verses 5 and 6, you see it's being done with instruments. We take the talent, the gifts that God gives to us, and we give them back to him. We play a guitar for Jesus just like you can play it for Led Zeppelin. You give it back. Here I am, Lord, use me. We shout, we sing, we play the musical instruments to glorify God. The theme of joy throughout, over and over. Can you see Isaac Watts reading this psalm in 719, pinning these incredible words, joy to the Lord? See that in a moment. Finally, we celebrate the king's return. Verse 7, let the sea roar in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. I love verse 9, for he is coming to judge the earth. And notice how he judges. With righteousness, he shall judge the world. And the peoples, plural, Jew and Gentile, all the nations, with equity or uprightness. You see, when Jesus comes back, and he is coming back, that's the celebration of this psalm. When he comes back, he's not coming as the lamb to die. He's coming as the lion to judge. And for us, it's an exciting time. For those who've rejected him, you don't want to be there. But notice how he judges. It's so important. Verse 9 says it twice. He judges with righteousness and equity. He doesn't judge like you and I would. He judges fairly, justly. Righteously. In other words, when Jesus judges you, what do you get? What you, ju- what you earned. You get what you deserve. You get what you wanted. If you don't want Jesus, I reject you, then he'll give you hell because that's what you wanted. I don't want you. I want me to reign over my life. Then you get it. You get what you wanted because he judges righteously, fairly, equitably. All right, take your hand out. Let's walk through the rest of this. It's on your handout. Second thing we're going to do is celebrate the king's joy, joy to the world. I love doing this. You may find it boring, but just bear with me. How many times have you sung joy to the world in your lifetime? In Dick Hunter's case, over and over. Now, I listen to that, the river. It's the only time of the year I think I listen to the river, 104.5. And also there's a channel on Sirius XM. It's all Christmas music, a couple of channels. And I listen to that stuff as I'm driving around. And joy to the world. And apparently, let it snow. What's that song? Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. What's the name of that song? Good. It's good, Randy. It's called Let It Snow. Thank you. But apparently everybody that's ever lived has recorded those two songs. Any genre you want, you can find it. Joy to the world. Try to be Isaac Watts for a moment. You're reading Psalm 98. You're meditating on Scripture, and you want to put it to song. You're a young guy, younger. You don't like the music. You, you want to celebrate your Lord in, the, in your musical style, and you write this incredible Christmas carol, we now call it, but this hymn that he wrote to celebrate his Lord. Number one, let's celebrate the king's joy. The king is received. Verse 1. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. You know, it's repeated, heaven and nature sing, heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world. Why can the world have joy? Because the Lord is what? He's come. 
for us as Christians, as we look at people and we joke about it, I joke about it, at Toys R Us and the frustration and, and in, even in the joy and all the things we do. And you're watching all those kids last night and people involved in the, the Christmas parade. And you realize every single one of them has a heart. Jesus came to die for the sin of those people. And he says, I, I want you to take your heart and do what? Just make room for it. Where'd your heart come from? He gave it. He created the capacity for you to be a human being with a heart. And he says, I will take your burden, your sin burden. See that in a moment, even in this hymn. Your sin burden that has so weighed you down as a human race that's brought death and separation from God. I will take that burden. I will pay that debt. I will die in your place. You can have joy, joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. You see, the vast majority of people on this planet we call earth, do they acknowledge Jesus Christ as their king? They do not. But guess what? He's still their king. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He will come back to reign. He will come back to judge. He is saying, take your individual heart, make room. I'll give you joy you'll never understand. I'll give you peace. But not only that, all of heaven. I love that phrase. I never really thought much about it till this week. Sung, sung it a million times. Let heaven and nature sing. Think about the angels. And we're going to look at Hark the Herald Angels sing in a couple of weeks. Do you think about the angels, that announcement that they made? And even at this moment, the rejoicing they have over the life of someone being redeemed. And all of heaven singing about the coming of the Lord, the coming again of the Lord. We talked about it earlier. Even nature itself, one day we'll realize groans. We'll realize redemption when Jesus Christ returns. You ever think about, meditate on who your Savior is? This is not a religious option. Pick one, two, or three. He is unique as the God-man, the incarnation. We sing about it at Christmas. Emmanuel, what does that mean? God with us. Not God out there somewhere. The force, the karma, the steps, do the best you can. It's God with us. Think about it this way. It's God as one of us. God empathizing with me. God loving me that much. Joy to the world. I remember growing up, and I didn't get saved until I was 16, and we had a pretty rough life with my dad and growing up. And my mom had a lot of issues mentally and otherwise. But my mom absolutely lived. The only time she was ever happy was the month of December. She loved Christmas. We had the gaudiest lights. She had the ugliest outfits. You talk about ugly Christmas sweaters, she could work it. She had hats that you look at it and say, Mom, please don't go out the door with that on. She lived for Christmas. She died in December 1999. And I remember standing there doing her funeral. My dad wasn't a Christian. My two brothers aren't, weren't saved, aren't. <clears throat> and I remember standing there preaching her funeral. She was so proud that her son would preach her. And I remember saying how much my mom loved Christmas. And for the first time, she was really enjoying it. I hope you just take time to realize who you're saved. Second verse, the king has received, the Savior reigns. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. I hope you see the theme in Isaac Watts as he's writing this, taking scripture and putting it to words, the idea of being the Savior reigns, not just reigning over a kingdom, but reigning over all of creation. He repeats over and over. Repeat the sounding joy. Heaven and nature. Heaven and nature. He reigns over the angels. He reigns over creation. But he wants to reign over my individual heart and your heart as well. Church is his bride. That loving picture. How much he cares for us. 
Let men their songs employ, glorify this Savior, sing back to him. For example, when Jesus came, we, know the, you know, we all know the stories. When Jesus came, was Herod real excited that this little baby had been born in Bethlehem? Herod went crazy. What did he say? I need to find out he wanted the Magi to let him know. And he tried to kill all, every, for like three years down, kill all the males. Herod was, it was a threat to him. What was the response of the Magi when we want to follow his star because we want what? Worship him. You see, to this day, there are two basic responses to Jesus Christ. One is, you're a threat to me. I want nothing to do with you. And what's the other? Lord, enter this heart. I want to worship. I want to adore you. Joy to the world. Savior reigns. That men their songs employ. Fields, flood, rock, hills, plain. Repeat the sounding joy. Third verse, the curse is removed. I love this one, the theology of this one. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. See, the curse of sin is universal, and it's literally referring to Genesis chapter 3. Original sin caused, remember God's response to original sin was that the ground would be cursed, and it would be thorns. They had been working, and it had been easy. Now it was going to be what? Hard. Sweat. Thorns in the ground. You'd have to work it to get a product to get a harvest thorns infesting the ground our world is cursed by sin it's universal every child born is born a sinner because of original sin the curse of sin in revelation i didn't put the verse on here wish i thought about it just thought about it now in revelation 20 21 it talks about the new heaven the new earth new jerusalem it says no more sorrow no more tears no more pain no more death and no more curse See, sin's not an issue in heaven. It sure is an issue here. But the beauty of Jesus Christ coming is that I can have joy in this world and in this heart because my sin curse conquered at Calvary. And when Jesus rose from the dead, and as a Christian, I'm victorious. I can shout, and I can sing, and I can, whatever capacity and in whatever way I have the opportunity, share Jesus Christ with my world and say to them, you can have joy in the midst of this horrific time. You could have joy because the Lord has come. The Savior reigns. And then finally, truth and grace rules. He rules the world with truth and grace, and he makes the nations prove, all the Gentiles, the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. You see, Jesus doesn't rule in the way a man would rule. He rules with truth. How often have we talked about what does truth do? It's you free. He rules with truth, and he rules with grace. What is grace? Is kindly being beneficent towards you when you don't deserve it. That's the kind of Savior. That's the kind of Lord you have. Your ruler, your master gives to you what you don't deserve. Grace. He rules with truth and grace. There's an old saying. I saw it this week. Uh, stuff I was looking at. I've heard it before. I don't know who said it. But it goes like this. Truth without love is dogmatism. Love without truth is sentimentality. But truth with love is Christianity. See, Jesus was unique because he was the truth. He was the way. He was the life. You notice on your handout, Revelation 5, 9, when we get to heaven in the eternal state, the Bible says they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. They couldn't find anybody to open it, but they found Jesus. For you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood, one out of, excuse me, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. There it is. Jews, Gentiles, everybody. He redeems. It's a new song. It's one of joy. Joy to the world. Do we live in a world now that needs some joy? If nothing else, because of the fiscal cliff, we need a little joy, don't we? Crazy. 
Jesus said, I will give you peace. Not as the world gives, I'll give you peace. Years ago, there was a believer in Zimbabwe, and he wanted to give a New Testament to this guy. And the guy didn't want it, and he was, had an attitude. He didn't want anything to do with God. And he, and he said, look, I want to give you this New Testament. And the guy said, all right, I'll take it. He said, but here's what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to take the pages of it, and I'm going to roll them up, and I'm going to put tobacco in them, and I'm going to smoke the pages of the New Testament. And the, and the guy, the believer said, that's okay. Just do me a favor. Before you smoke it, read it. Fifteen years later, that believer was at a conference. He ran into the guy. And the guy was now an evangelist, traveling, preaching the gospel. He said, yeah, I smoked Matthew. I smoked Mark. I smoked Luke. But boy, when I got to John 3.16, I couldn't smoke anymore. Isn't that a great story? Jesus changes people because he's real. The word of God. We can have joy. And we can share joy to the world because Jesus come. And he's coming again. Would you bow your heads, please? Lord, we do thank you that you're real. It's not a game that we play. You're real. We thank you for Christmas, even though the world just kind of enjoys it and has a good time. I pray even in the midst of that, you'd use that. You'd use us. You'd use anything you can, Father, to communicate the fact Jesus has come, but that he's also coming again. It's joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. He is king. That will not change. I pray the earth receives him, individual. Lord, in our congregation here today, if there's someone who hasn't received Jesus, that this will be their moment. What a great time to get saved. Say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you for coming. I need joy. Please forgive me. Save me. Be my Savior. And Lord, for those of us who are believers, we would excitedly sing about joy to the world and share that at Christmas and year-round. We pray in Jesus' name.